Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also this time, please put away all carry-on items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. Hello, Culturama listeners, and welcome to this exciting episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. This program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, Accessible Technology Solutions, and the nonprofit organization Eyes Like Mine Incorporated. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. And my guest today is Miss Crystal Allen from New Jersey. This program is Inspirational Moments, where I interview authors, motivational speakers, life coaches, persons with different challenges, and more. Now, in last week's episode, I interviewed the beautiful ladies Crystal Allen and Brittany Culp from Eyes Like Mine about the organization itself. Now, I'm going to be talking to these two ladies one-on-one this week is crystal and the other week is Brittany cult i want to know more about these ladies because i read their bios and it's just awesome so this week i have the beautiful miss crystal allen hi chrissy welcome to the program hi how are you thank you for having me we want to know more about you crystal allen tell us about your your vision loss and Tell us about that first. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm legally blind to the listeners out here. So I'm like, I have the best of both worlds, I guess. Um, I can't see with, you know, a lot of limitations, but I still have some kind of usable vision in my right peripheral. And um, this coming August, it'll make 21 years that I've been legally blind. And I started losing my vision when I turned 16 due to a malpractice of a dermatologist who was treating me for a skin condition I've had since I was five, which is called eczema. And for those of you who are not familiar with what eczema is, it's pretty much like asthma on the skin. It's a lot of dry, irritated skin. And there's different variations of eczema. Some people may have heard of psoriasis or rosacea. And it's not a contagious skin condition. Uh, sometimes it can be hereditary. And sometimes it could just be uh, because of natural causes. Um, 
And so I've I've experienced eczema all my life. I still have it, but it's not as extreme as it once was. And so when I was 16, my family members, my aunt, she lived in Brooklyn at the time, Brooklyn, New York, and her daughter had eczema. And she was seeing this dermatologist from uh, the Bedford Group in Bed-Stuy, New York. And she saw a lot of great results with him. And so then my grandmother uh, decided to take me over to New York to see about this dermatologist because of the results uh, my cousin was having. And I was being treated by him and he seemed very attentive to me, this doctor. And, and by the way, his name was Michael Jackson. He was very attentive to my skin. I saw so many dermatologists by the yes. time I was 16 years old and I did not receive much success. I had all kinds of treatment, ultraviolet right. treatment. Right. Um, bathing in tar solutions, all types oh. of creams, everything. It was just a mess. And so after I started going through his treatment, I saw so much great results. I was wearing shorts for the first time. Wow. With confidence. And, you know, everything seemed like it was on the up and up. But it, within that one year of treatment, not only did I see a transformation in my skin, but I started experiencing different um, like issues. And um, I, I started having headaches all day, every single day. Pounding, really? pounding Whoa. headaches. And I was oh working God. at a hospital at the time in a gift mm -hmm. shop. And there used to be this one uh, staff member who would come in and always talk to me. And I would be telling him, I'm like, you know, I'm having such bad headaches. Yes. Like, you want me to get you some Tylenol? So I would take the Tylenol and nothing wouldn't really give me relief. And so then as the weeks went on, I just couldn't even stand going to work. I could not go to school. I was going to be a junior in high school. Yes. And um, I was always fatigued. I was just always fatigued. And yes. then it turned into me like vomiting. I started vomiting clear fluid all the time. Oh, my. Mm. And then it went from that to me not being able to walk without feeling like I was going to fall or collapse in some kind yes. of way. Yes. Yes. So uh, my grandmother, um, she is from... Honduras, Central America, and so Honduras. Yeah, so if any of you are Caribbean folks, uh, Hispanics, Latinos, <laughs> and you know about those home remedies with the older relatives, so my grandmother used to always bring me different things from Honduras to treat my skin, but at this time, I was having other issues, so there was not too much she felt she could do to give me her little remedies. So she was working at a hospital and at that hospital, there was an optometrist and mm -hmm. all he did was just do a quick examination of me. And he told me my eyes were inflaming and swollen. Oh my gosh. So he said, I would have to come back within two weeks to get some prescription eyewear and I should be fine. He gave me some eye drops, prescribed eye drops. And he said that the swelling should go down. 
but I didn't receive any relief so I went back um, before the two weeks time came and there was a different optometrist there at the same hospital but he did a more thorough examination of me my eyes were bulging like they look like if <laughs> I made a sudden move they could possibly just roll off and out yes, yes. like a marble yes and, um he did you know a visual field test of me mm-hmm. and by the end of his examination he determined that I was uh experiencing pseudotumor cerebri and Whoa. at the time my vision was fine it wasn't impaired from what I knew but you know vision the depth of vision and the way that people can see there's so many layers uh, of vision you know and um with me when i was first diagnosed my vision was totally fine but Mm -hmm. then i started noticing through my treatments that um after some time to just be able to see words in a get well card it was hard to see and i first noticed a problem with my vision when my um my grandmother and my mother were picking me up from the hospital i had just had my first eye surgery Mm -hmm. and i had a church member who sent me a get well card i could see the graphic on the opening of the card but when i opened it up i could not see the words and i was like i said well why would they send me a card with no words so my mom said to me, Crystal, you can't see the words in here. And I'm like, there are no words in there. I can see them. And she's like, oh my goodness, you know? So um, when I was rushed to the hospital, uh, before that eye surgery, they explained to me that I had pseudotumor cerebri. And what that mm-hmm. is, is pretty much a false brain tumor. Um, mm-hmm. It was very rare at the time because mm-hmm. I was 16. And most people who would get pseudotumor at that time, they were in their late 30s, early 40s. They were very overweight and they had a high salt intake in their diet or they had to endure um, enormous amounts of stress. And at that time I was 16, I was just 143 pounds. I didn't have a high salt intake in my diet. I wasn't in the age bracket that it is normally noticed and um, so my my neuro ophthalmologist wanted to investigate what was the root of me experiencing this new condition. Yeah. So he then um, you know did a investigation of my prescription history, and he learned that uh, seven out of the twenty five medications that I was prescribed by the dermatologist I was yes my skin contained an ingredient called tetracycline and my body reacted to the tetracycline as an overdose so that's what started the pseudotumor and that is what led to the uh impairment of my vision yes so currently now i can see a hand motion and light in my left eye and it's very messy and it's a blinking red dot and then on my right eye, I can see out of my peripheral, which is all around the mm-hmm. side of the eye, but um, it's very blurry. Um, I can read some prints if it's like enormously large and bold. Okay. But for the most part, I use a lot of screen reader software because yes, yes, to strain, time, not to strain the eyes. Yeah, because after some time, it, it becomes a bit much. 
let us backtrack, Chrissy, in terms of your girly years. Um, being a young girl, tell us about life at school. Um, how did you cope at that age? Well, um, because I wasn't really all that familiar with the blindness community, I wasn't familiar with the term legal blindness. Right. I really right. couldn't like grasp what it meant right away because I knew I could still see some things, yes. but then I was be beginning to learn what my limitations were. And, right. and at that time I wasn't that heavily embedded in the blindness community. I didn't even know that there was a community. <laughs> and um, before me losing my own eyesight, I had never met anyone who was blind or visually impaired. And I had, I had the opportunity to attend you know, my grammar school, I, I went to a private school right. um, in my elementary years and in high school, I went to an all girls school my freshman year. And then I- Hey, all girls. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, I went to my first experience in a public school that very right. same year that mm -hmm. I started losing my vision and right. going through all of these treatments. I had to take a year off of schooling because my my specialist did not want me to be stressed or to overexert myself because he was afraid that it would increase any more progression of my vision loss with this new condition. And so um, once I became enrolled and started to try to get myself into a routine because at 16, I had to make a big decision for myself in my life. I had to figure out if I was gonna be dwelling on what I lost Mm -hmm. And if I was going to be trying to just see what my new lifestyle had in store for me, because right. being visually impaired, being a person with a disability, it is definitely a, a lifestyle, you know, yes. there's so many different components that come along with this lifestyle. It's, it's a, a frame of thinking. It's your activity. It's your everything. You know, it's an extension of who you are. So um, once I got in school, I did have um, some different challenges I had to face. I had to learn how to advocate for myself. I had to learn how to be comfortable with me all over again. Of I had course. to learn how to be okay with sharing my story because you know, you have your days when you feel like talking about it. Let me ask you, Chrissy. I noticed you mentioned a lot about your grandmother, but um, was your mom and your parents um were they were they playing an integral role in your life were they assisting you in making this these decisions and you know coaching you through this this mentality of you know hey i have a disability now let me go through it you know were they were they there tell us about that oh yeah like i have a very great support system from my grandparents to my mother, to my father, and even my siblings that yes. are, you know, below me because I'm the oldest of seven. Oh, and, um, wow. Yeah, so. Seven. And it, <laughs> and it honestly felt like, to me, uh, my family took it harder than I did at first because I guess they were the outsiders looking in and they couldn't even fathom how they could go through it themselves, let alone me and me being so young at the time. Yes. So um, 
I felt like they were a little more like uh, distraught than I was. It took me a while to really have a breakdown about what I lost because I was too busy trying to figure out what was going to happen next. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, my family, my mom, my dad, yes, they were definitely very involved. Uh, but I mentioned my grandmother and really my grandparents because they had such a strong influence on what I've been able to achieve from right. then to now. Right. This is awesome. Just a reminder, folks, that I'm speaking with Miss Crystal Allen, and this program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment, Accessible Technology Solutions, and Eyes Like Mine Incorporated. Hello, my name is Saddam Ahmed, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Accessible Technology Solutions Enterprises. At Accessible Technology Solutions, we offer highly customized training for all your adaptive technology needs, whether it be JAWS for Windows, for someone who's recently gone blind, whether it's learning your Mac or harnessing the amazing potential of your iPhone using adaptive technology like VoiceOver. For more information, please visit us on the website www.accessibletechnologysolutions.com. I'm Saddam underscore Ahmed11 on Twitter at Accessible Technology Solutions Enterprise on Facebook or email us sadam at sadamahmed.com. Accessible Technology Solutions. Your problems, our solutions. Chrissy, take us now to your two surgeries and your uh, your spinal um, condition. Take us through those. What, what what happened there? Well, it's those are a part of the procedures of treatment with pseudotumor cerebri. Some people may have to deal with that, and some people may not. It, it, it really all depends on how the pseudotumor is progressing. So I've had two eye surgeries to stabilize my vision and to prevent me from having further vision loss. And there, um, it was chief penetration. So it's pretty much like a window that is cut in the back of my eyes to allow the fluid that I build on my optic nerves and really around my brain to drain down. So um, I would have to, you know, use the bathroom a lot because I built uh, excessive amounts of fluid hourly and daily. And so uh, currently, you know, the, the results of that surgery is still in effect after all of this time and having spinal taps. The spinal taps, because of the excessive fluid, I would need to have it drained out in addition to, you know, as as post-treatment from the eye surgery. So if any people are listening and they're familiar with what a, a, a epidural is, that's what the spinal tap is kind of, but the needle for a spinal tap is a lot larger than an epidural for, you know, women who are in labor and who need to, um, you know, have that epidural experience. But a spinal tap, 
they find a, a vertebrae on your lower back and you have to sometimes be in a fetal position. You have to be totally still. You cannot afford to move when you're getting a spinal tap because it can, um, it can affect you in, in terms of probably being paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of your life. And I've had 22 of them. Uh, six of them I had with local sedation. So I was like in a, a very light anesthesia and the remainder I was alive, uh, you know, kind of actively awake. And um, it's very, a very painful experience. You have to sit on a tray in their procedure room in the hospital. And sometimes they will put like an x-ray over the area that they're doing the procedure so that the ultraviolet light can help them um, take out the fluid. And they're really just taking out cerebral spinal fluid because that's what that's the fluid that affects uh, the pseudo tumor's activity. All of us have cerebral spinal fluid. That's, that fluid helps the healthy functioning of the brain. Uh, but in normal cases, it should be between 12 and 16. And in my case, my cerebral spinal fluid would rise up to 38. And that's a dangerous level because if it was left untreated, it could result in um, a brain aneurysm and potential death. So, wow. Wow. enough, that was not me. Yes. And, yes. Um, I've had a temporary shunt because mm -hmm. also with treatment with uh, pseudotumor, many people get a VP shunt. Sometimes they do get a temporary shunt to measure how much fluid is um, built in different positions. So there's like, if you guys know what a Vaseline jar looks like um, mm -hmm. in the surgery, they find an area on your brain. Yes. And they put a catheter on that part of Oh, the I know that. And um, when they put that catheter there, it's a bag that's connected to uh, the CCs to have the count of how much cerebral spinal fluid is built during a observed or monitored time. And in different positions, like if I'm sitting straight up, laying flat down or on mm -hmm. an angle or what have you, then it, it will allow the uh, specialist to learn, okay, when she's laying flat down, her cerebral spinal fluid count can rise up to 50 cc's. Or when oh my goodness. Saying, you know, this is just an example. But in my case, um, I was in ICU for a little over two weeks for yes. them to monitor this uh, procedure on me. And in about an hour, I would have about three cerebral spinal fluid bags of 500 cc's filled. That's how much fluid I would be building around my brain. And I just wanna add this one last piece to it. With cerebral spinal fluid, um, when it is at the increase that mine would be, what happens is the brain is sitting in that fluid and it's, it's moving because it's active and that fluid is helping it shift. And because we have a skull which is protecting the brain, it's 
recognized as a barrier to the brain. So then when it's shifting forward, it has nowhere to go because it's just like, okay, something's in my way. And um, what happens is it presses onto the optic nerve and that's what causes uh, sometimes optic nerve rupture, which is called papilledema. And it also causes the inflammation of the eyes, which is the swelling of the eyes. And then because it can't go anywhere else, it shifts backward onto, you know, the spinal cord, the, the beginning of the spinal cord, which then affects the equilibrium, which controls your balance, you know, when you're walking, when you're running, all kinds of things that you are supposed to be able to do um, independently. And right. so with all of that happening, um, it's, this is why spinal taps sometimes are used to treat pseudotumor cerebri patients. Right. Um, and I have all of the symptoms of a brain tumor, but yes. because the word pseudo is involved, meaning false, yes. Yes. I don't grow the actual tumor on my brain. So I have all of the symptoms and, and in place of the tumor, I have excessive fluid. So, um, Jeez. Wow, wow. That's why we have headaches, you know, because if you ever had headaches, headaches is a pressure in the head. Oh, yes, it is. You know, people have mm -hmm. had migraines, headaches, all types of head pain. Anything on the face that is considered a pain is a pressure. And, you know, each pressure can have different levels from extreme to moderate. And um, with my with my case, it it would be a little bit more on the extreme levels. Oh, this is a powerful story, ladies and gentlemen. I want to jump to your achievements. I'm trying to find your bio. The devil is so strong. But people, she has a lot of hats wearing at the moment. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. She is the president of the Eyes Like Mine Incorporated, amongst lots more. So, Chris, tell us about your achievements starting with college life. Well, you know, as I mentioned, I had a chance to go to school, you know, as a mainstream student. And then mm -hmm. I became a student under what is called the Section 504 for Students with Disabilities. Yes. And um, I did go back to high school after my year off. I graduated yes. from a magnet school, which is like, a school for talented students. Yes. And then I went to a local college because I don't know, I didn't really see myself with college life. I wasn't <laughs> enthused about it. But then um, I as I began to apply for colleges and to really begin to think about what my future was going to be shaped, mm -hmm. um, I applied to some historically black colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I wound up just going to a local community college and mm -hmm. I majored in social science. Yes, and I saw that. There, I loved, you know, what social science brought because I'm, I like helping. I like yes, being yes. able to direct somebody to something or show someone something, you know, something that could benefit them. And I began to get more into like the nonprofit sector. I was an AmeriCorps member 
with a, as a part-time AmeriCorps member with a agency called La Casa de Don Pedro and it's really the house of Peter pretty much. But yes. <laughs> a local nonprofit organization that helps with uh, developing the Latino community uh, through domestic violence services, uh, youth services, and so many other things. And that really helped me in a huge way to get from A to B in my uh, search for work and jobs. Because right. I, I did not know that I would begin to have to face so much discrimination just yes. because I was visually impaired when yes. I went to look for a job. So mm -hmm. from starting with that, I went on to working with another Latino organization called El Club del Barrio. And I worked in their extended care program um, because I, I thought that I wouldn't like working with children, but then mm -hmm. I realized <laughs> that I did like working with children and especially doing arts and crafts with the children and just having a good time with them, you know, letting them know that in spite of me not being able to see well, you know, when you go through life, sometimes you will face different challenges. And even though the challenges will be there, there is still an opportunity for you to overcome those challenges. So, you know, children are like a sponge. They take in so much. And um, when I would like let them know about my vision and what I wasn't able to see, I mean, they were smarter than most adults when I had to explain yes. my vision loss, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? And then I became a substitute teacher in a oh, school district. Nice. And um, I was told that by an ex-girlfriend of my father, she was working in the education field. And I told her, I'm like, you know, I would like to be a substitute teacher yes to help me because uh i knew she had certain connections and she said crystal you can't be a teacher and i was like well why she was like because you're blind and i'm like see whoa I, I said are you sure because i know i can't be the first visually impaired person who would want to be a teacher or mm -hmm. who was a teacher you know and and i still was early in my advocacy so i mm -hmm. didn't know all about what professions blind and visually impaired people indulged in right so but i i you know what happens with me when people tell me that i can't do something it's like motivation for me to show them, right you exactly know? and so i i just i went to a um educational commission mm. and i gave them all of my college credentials and mm. then i became a certified substitute teacher for kindergarten awesome. and I was able to sub in a, a school district that had 11 public schools including a developmental learning center so I was really happy that I was able to prove to myself really break that, that barrier yeah that I could do it so um and although the different jobs that I have had over time they were kind of like in the support capacity. The fact of the matter is that I had working status and there, there was gonna be opportunity for me to keep moving from one stage to the next to the next. And sometimes, you know, that that's what you have to do. Um, I did wanna work in fields that interest me. 
I didn't want to have to do retail because when I was in high school as a senior, I did have a little part-time job even after my vision loss. And I was working in a mall in Old Navy store. And that was my first job after I started losing my vision. So with that being said, guys, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. Hello, I'm Sydney Thorpe. Sydney Sizer is here to help you meet your audio recording needs. Call or WhatsApp 876-281-2801 or you can email me at sidnesizer at gmail.com or sidnesizer at outlook.com or you can Skype me using Sydney Sizer as my Skype name. Sidneysizer. We can talk. Sidneysizer, where we love to make good things happen.